Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. January's read is If Cats Disappeared from the World by Genki Kawamura. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. I'm Amy, and joining me today is Corey from North Liberty Library. Welcome. Hi, I'm Corey. I work with Amy at the North Liberty Library here. I've worked here for about three years. I'm very excited to talk about this book with such an alarming title, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) I have a cat, and the thought of cats disappearing from the world is very alarming to me. (laughs) Yes, it's definitely an eye-catching title. I can surely appreciate that about it. And for those who aren't familiar with this book and maybe haven't read it yet, In this novella, there's an unnamed narrator who's dying from cancer. Very sad start to that book, but I promise it's not a super sad story in general. So one day this devil appears and propositions our narrator with an extra day of life. In exchange, one thing will be erased from the world. And kind of what follows is a massive exploration of kind of what makes life worth living for our main character. So it's really actually kind of hopeful and or joyful, but still kind of... Yeah, it's not your classic deal with the devil kind of situation. It's more like, hey, the devil is going to help you reflect on some things in your life. Yes. And he wears a Hawaiian shirt. Yes. I love that he calls him Aloha in the book because he wears the like Aloha Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) And just like the whole sense of humor that the book carries with it helps it not be so heavy and dark, which I love. I was definitely going in, like preparing myself. Okay, this might be a little like too much. I don't know, but it was perfect. Good balance of light stuff and then also the heavy stuff because it didn't ignore it, but it brightened it up a little bit and gave it kind of an optimistic outlook. And I think that the interesting relationship that is presented to us between like the devil and God is also very interesting in this book. I'm religious, I'm a Christian. And so it took me a while to kind of get past that to be like, okay, I'm not here for a theology lesson. I'm here to like read a book. I'm not here to be like, well, it wouldn't be like this or it would be like this. I'm here to read the book and like how the book is portraying this and so it took me a little bit to get past that and to stop being like well you know he wouldn't do that (laughs) but you know that was just like my personal reading of it and so once I could kind of get past that that I was like okay this is a funny and like interesting interaction between the two (laughs) yeah just the personality of the devil and the way that you kind of get a feeling like in this book it almost gave me like a sibling rivalry feeling between him and God. Like, so again, it's that like lighter tone, which was interesting and just kind of helped with the whole flow. But I love that the devil was like playing with the cat at one point. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just a dude who's just like in your apartment, you know, just playing with your cat, eating chocolate, doing all kinds of things. The devil has his soft side and it is cats and chocolate. Which is wonderful to think about because like he has this very mischievous quality that cats can definitely have. And I'm just like, this seems like the perfect match. I don't know why I didn't think about this before. I feel like chocolate too. Like it's such an indulgence, you know, it's just like, yeah, it makes sense that the devil would like chocolate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So then jumping in, if you were maybe the main character in the story, what do you think the devil might look like to you? I really liked how they had it in the book, how the narrator saw the devil as himself, but just like more carefree and wild. It's hard to say like how I would picture it. Like, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, like the the horns and the the tail and pitchfork and everything. But I really liked how they did. Oh, yeah, it's just like me, but me if I was a little bit wilder and carefree. I like that a lot. I also just really enjoyed the fact that our main character is also a postman. And <laughs> I was like, oh, there's something in there with like postmen and I don't know. So I feel like the postal workers are such hard workers too. It's interesting to be like, oh yeah, he spends like his whole life in uniform and everything. And the devil's over here like in a Hawaiian shirt, just kind of, I'm you, but I'm casual. <laughs> yes. So what about this story might have met your expectations or maybe they exceeded your expectations? In regards to my expectations, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because I'm very much like a sci-fi person, sci-fi fantasy person. So the whole time I was kind of stuck with the thought of like, how is this going to affect the rest of the world? Like, cause I feel like in sci-fi, it's more about how the crazy thing affects everybody. Whereas this is more like literary fiction is like, this is how he's reflecting on these things. And so part of me was just like, no, no, but like if phones disappeared from the earth, that would cause some serious issues. And I couldn't quite get past that as I was reading it, like post reading it, I kind of am like, okay, it wasn't about that, but it still is in my head. Like you can't just get rid of phones. We rely on them too much these days. Yes, I have to admit, though, like, I think that was a clever way for the author to be like, erasing them from the world is that Mm -hmm. people just don't think about them anymore. Like they don't see them. They don't think about them. And I was like, oh, that's really clever, because then maybe there wouldn't be as much fallout and that's dampening the effect. And so I thought that was really clever with the way the author handled that, because he did obviously want the focus to be elsewhere right but I 100% agree I really wanted to know like okay yeah (laughs) how does this affect everybody else in the world not just this one singular person but because there's a part where he's like on a subway and he's just like yeah everybody's just like reading now instead of on their phones or whatever and I'm like but the chaos (laughs) there would be so much chaos (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking like, okay, how do people call into work now? Right. What's happening? Well, and then like some like domino effect of that. Like, okay, well, if there's no phones, is there no email? And then I'm like, no, there's still got to be email, right? Right. Like, that right. can't completely disappear unless the only way somebody had email was through their through phone. Their phone. Yeah. So how does that work? Do they remember that they have email? And right. <laughs> They've got to come to the library, use the library computers. (laughs) We kind of already talked about like that expectation of it being a little bit more sad, but there was also kind of, for me, an expectation that I wouldn't be able to identify with the main character very much. And I don't know why I had that expectation, but I thought that the author helped with that by like not giving him a name which I thought was really interesting and a good use of another tool to kind of like immerse you into the story yeah and he didn't really give very many characters a name I think there was 
one that I remember because like he didn't name the ex-girlfriend or father. He named the cats and he named the one friend who worked at the video store. Which I think was that his nickname too, maybe? Or yeah. So was, he didn't really give anyone like a name name. <laughs> yes. And the fact that it was the cats. Right. It really makes sense. And I guess the devil, he named him Aloha, but that's still right. just a nickname more. But yeah, like cabbage. Cabbage and lettuce. Lettuce, that's right. Yes. I was like, I knew it was like the same family or something. <laughs> was like, Which are such good cat names, I feel like. <laughs> and like, you know, from the beginning that that's going to be an important piece is the cat. And so it makes sense that they would have names and be kind of a central connector in his life to his mom, even to his ex, who it right. sounds like was a big part of his life, even if they weren't together. I mean, they had been together for quite a while. Also, when the cat started talking. Yes, I love that so much. And I love that he spoke kind of like he was in a historical drama because of like watching the mom's TV and everything. And I was thinking, because you had like mentioned the discussion question of would you watch the movie if there was a movie? And I was thinking, okay, but if there was a movie, I feel like Ian McKellen would play Cabbage very well. Like he could voice Cabbage <laughs> or just some like elderly British guy would be yes. an excellent voice for Cabbage the Cat. <laughs> yes, please. Although it is actually a movie. I found this what out. What is it? It oh, is okay. a movie. I believe it was produced in Japan. So I think it would be something that would be watched with subtitles since right. I do not speak Japanese, but I am really tempted to go out and find this and try yeah. to watch it because yes. I think this would be excellent as a yes. movie. Yeah. I also haven't watched a whole lot of Japanese films. So like, it's definitely a live action film. Right. And so I'd be interested to see how they handle all of that because I can definitely see an American take on this but I'm very yeah. interested to see what it would look like yeah yeah and I have not watched a lot of Japanese film either apart from like Studio Ghibli and like the whole time I was kind of thinking like oh this could be like a Studio Ghibli kind of film because there's a plot going on but there's also kind of like a peacefulness with it that I feel like are in Studio Ghibli movies a lot and it kind of in this as well like it is kind of peaceful but then there's something big going on as well <laughs> mm -hmm. so do you read Japanese literature a lot this is one of the few authors I've read not Japan. really no I've read like one manga and that's about as far as I have got into Japanese literature <laughs> that's cool there's been a few like thriller mysteries that I've really enjoyed but this is kind of like the first literary fiction, I would say, that I've read. Mm -hmm. But I loved the magical realism of it. And yeah, kind of the different elements that are brought in. And I'm really, really starting to love novellas. Yeah. As a genre. Just Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read very many novellas, but like for someone who hasn't had like a chance to read a lot in recent years, it's nice to have it's all contained in this little short novella. Mm -hmm. Even if you like desperately want to see more, it's like of the world that this author has created. It's nice to have just a little snippet of really good work. I enjoy it more and more frequently as I continue to read novellas. But I feel like sometimes it's harder to find novellas, maybe. I don't yeah, know. I think they're not as popular. And I think like the popularity of stuff definitely 
changes like how you can find things because unless you know somebody who's going to recommend it, it's kind of hard to find something that's not being like pushed by publishing companies and stuff. Yeah, those dang algorithms. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we're getting near the end of the book. And we find out that, you know, he's decided, okay, I'm not going to let cats disappear from the world. I'm putting my foot down, devil. And because throughout the book, we're getting these like glimpses because it kind of does a flashback every once in a while to like a different part of his life. And so we see this wonderful scene towards the end between his mom and him and his dad. So his mom had died of cancer also, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So his mom was dying and him and his father and his mom take this beautiful vacation to like the coast, I think. Mm -hmm. And so we see this wonderful kind of scene where we kind of get a better understanding of all their relationships. And then at the very end, basically we leave the narrator on his bike rushing to see his father and then it just stops. <laughs> so my question is, do you think he makes it to his dad? And how do you envision that? Or did you envision that going anywhere? I hope he makes it to his dad because I feel like they could both use that conversation. But I surprisingly would be okay if he did not make it to his dad because at some point he like reveals that the whole book is like a letter that he has written to his dad and so I'm thinking okay well you know if he's got all of this written out apart from being like worried for anybody who like finds him biking and then like not making it to his dad apart from being worried for that situation I would be okay if like just the letter made it to his dad but obviously, like, I hope that he would be able to go speak with him face to face. And his dad seemed like kind of a quiet character. And I think that it would be kind of less of a speaking interaction and more of a like, okay, here's like a grudging hug. And, you know, let's figure this out. kind of thing. Yeah, that's probably maybe why. But I mean, also just to give you a sense of like, hope probably mm-hmm. would be my guess is why they cut it off there. Because he didn't want it to be so maybe tense and or sad. Right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that like that kind of tone is why he probably ended it where he did. Which I really liked. I thought normally that kind of ending where it's not like a clear resolution. I'm not a big fan of that, but I liked how it ended here. I thought it was good because it leaves you with like, okay, this hopeful thing could happen. We're still not sure like what's going to happen to him because, hey, he's still alive at the end of the book. Not sure where it's going. He's probably not going to be alive much longer, but, you know, we've got this, like, he's still alive for now. And I like that. <laughs> I have this problem where I imagine the worst scenarios. <laughs> and even if I don't want them to happen, like, they're still always, I feel like, running through my brain. So, like, Upon initially finishing this book, I was like, oh, gosh, there's going to be an accident in the street. And then his dad's going to like, there's going to be a letter on his body. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then he doesn't. it was terrible. But I definitely don't hope that that happens. But I really wanted there to be something more. I don't know. I'm really fascinated with this narrator. And like, we get enough of him that I feel like he is a real character that could stand kind of up in the world but is also 
universal enough that and probably because it's such a universal theme right we all want to feel like we're living the best life that we can kind of right which I wasn't sure if I would necessarily enjoy that whole theme in this book but it was really well done yeah as you were reading through this book were there any memories that really stuck with you or did you have any like memories as you were reading about your own life um, that you were thinking about and you do not have to share if you don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, a lot of my time spent reading this book was thinking of like, okay, but he's not thinking about how this would affect other people. And so it took me a while to like get that. Like I'm not supposed to be thinking that I'm supposed to be connecting with it, which kind of makes me feel like I'd like to reread it sometime and to view it with more that gaze to be like, okay, you know, how can I connect to this rather than how would I have done this differently? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So like, cause you're also a writer. So was this kind of like your critical eye coming out then? Maybe I feel like mostly it was just like, for me, like kind of trying to differentiate between sci-fi and literary fiction and just be like, all right, we got to switch genres here. This is not my usual genre. Get with the program, Corey. (laughs) So reading the description of the book, I was under the impression that the man would get to choose which items disappeared from the world. And so I actually was like, before I started the book, I had read the first couple of paragraphs and I still didn't know that the devil was going to be the one choosing what items disappeared. I was stayed up late thinking about it. I was like, okay, like what could you get rid of that would like cause the least effect on everyone else? And I kind of like came to the conclusion it'd have to be something like super specific and useless, like ornament shaped like waffles for your Christmas tree or something <laughs> like that. It was just like, just eliminate all those. Or, you know, like weird t-shirts with the strange slogans on them, you know. Yes. I definitely also had those thoughts of like, okay, what trinkets or baubles is he going to pick? Because that was also the thing. I mean, that's the trap that the narrator fell into too. He thought right. he was going to get to choose. Yeah. Uh, and so then the devil's like, like, yeah, get rid of the mold in the bathroom. And the devil's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's not that easy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But also think about like, if you got rid of mold in our world which would also cause problems that would cause so many problems I feel like yeah like initially you're like oh that'd be a great thing to get rid of and then you're like no actually (laughs) think about like genies you have to be super specific it's just like only bathroom mold (laughs) only this very specific mold growing in this very specific area of everybody's houses right yeah that sent me down a rabbit hole for sure because I was like okay mosquitoes Mosquitoes. Get rid of, but then, get rid of like, mosquitoes. I'm and sure I'm they like, do nope. something too. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like even like do. wasps. I hate wasps and they seem useless, but like they do something. I don't know what it is, but they do something. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also kind of an interesting way to look at the book to be like, oh, all these little things that you wouldn't think of getting rid of would hurt anybody. It's just like, the, oh, all these things are integral to the world that we live in and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, talking about like sci-fi and genre fiction, but like, then I started thinking about, okay, using this as like a jumping off point for other like fiction, is this how we get steampunk? 
is everybody got rid of a bunch of stuff and that's why <laughs> steampunk now exists because <laughs> we got rid of all the electric things we just got this. <laughs> so now we just have you know yeah random tools that work via steam this is how we i don't know it very much took me to like a leviathan place and i was like this is great i don't yes. know why my brain is going there now but yeah it was very interesting concept to be able to sit there and think about okay well and he does this in the book too he's like okay well what's disappeared how do i what used to be here yeah yeah (laughs) how could my life be so different if but then like yeah you just don't know the one that got me the most i think was like clocks like getting rid of clocks and timekeeping in general because i'm like at first, I feel like that would be so anxiety-inducing if you were aware that they were gone, that they were supposed to be there. But it would be really, you know, if you didn't have responsibilities for the day, it'd be so nice to not have clocks, to just be like, oh, I, have, I have all the time in the world. <laughs> and that didn't really, that was one that didn't get explored a whole lot. Mostly it was about his dad, who is a clockmaker. And I was just like, there's no concept of time and then i'm like wait are there still sundials and then i'm like no probably not that counts as a clock i think right yeah that is another thing that i like in a sci-fi kind of view of the book i was kind of you know i'm like well but people would find a way to do these things you know like what's to stop them from inventing it again you know <laughs> yeah that's a good point i never thought about that like would he just perpetually erase Right, because, like, people may not be aware of phones anymore. Like, it may have been completely erased from their mind. But what if one day somebody's like, you know, we could really communicate more easily. You know, Alexander Graham Bell all over the place. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, like, okay, so maybe phones aren't here anymore. Maybe that's how teleportation gets invented. There we go. Yeah, because at that point, the technologies move forward, even though there's no phones. It's just like, hey, we're we're the technology. Let's do teleportation. (laughs) I love this. Okay, now I have to sit here and explore that in my brain for another (laughs) few days. So neither of us have read much Japanese fiction, and I'm still kind of new to novellas. But based on this book, are there any other things, and they can be sci-fi, are there other books that you would recommend, maybe? Hmm. Or just in general, books that you think people should know about? Not related to this one particularly. Nothing comes to mind. One of the things that I was kind of thinking about wanting to read while reading this was the book of Job in the Bible, because that's another situation where it's kind of like the devil and God have like a bargain going on. And I don't think I've ever read the book of Job all the way through before. And I think it'd be kind of interesting to see just like, okay, well, so how does a biblical view of the devil and God having like a bet going on? What does that look like? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. This might even be the first fiction genre book that I've read that kind of explores this a little more. So now I'm interested to like go out and see what other books there might be that have that kind of dynamic. That's interesting. I'm going to have to do some digging, I think, because I'm not sure that the algorithms will help me with that either. Right. But, <laughs> but there were a couple of books that I have found via some library resources that some folks might want to check out. If you enjoyed If Cats Disappeared from the World, There's No Such Thing as an Easy Job by Kikuko Tasmura. 
I'm probably saying that wrong and I apologize to the author. And then also Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. Those are ones that I have found with our vast library and research and knowledge (laughs) that may be of interest to folks. So I will be back in February with Amanda from Kirkendall Public Library to discuss Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. We hope everybody will join us again. Bye. Bye.